Welcome to Squared Circle, the combat sports podcast that doesn't mess around. And speaking of not messing around, neither does Dana White in the UFC. Absolutely huge news out of the UFC in the last 48 hours. So let's just sort of start at the top and we'll work three, well, three, apt choice of, you know, mistake there because there is three huge stories. Um, we'll start with the main event. Uh, Charles Oliveira suffered, su- suffered, what is wrong with me today? Suffered a cut in sparring uh, 10 days out from the fight or thereabouts. Um, pretty nasty cut. Um, don't know why he was going so hard and sparring at this point in time. Uh, that question remains to be answered. But in steps, Alexander Volkanovsky to have his second swing at Islam Makachev. Uh, won't have the home ground advantage this time. This one's going to be fought in Abu Dhabi, um, which, you know, could be better, could be worse. Who knows? Um, Volk, you know, doesn't put on heaps of weight in between fights from what I've seen. Um, and obviously it's easier for him to cut to, you know, 10 pounds above the weight division that he usually fights at. So it's not going to be that much of an ordeal for him. But, you know, hopefully, and also the point I'd like, to make as well is the fact that he consistently asks for this fight. So it's probably something that he consistently works on in his training. Um, so, you know, it's obviously he hasn't had a full camp or, you know, like full preparation for Islam, but he's done it before. So he knows what he's up against. And then so does Islam as well. And it's going to be kind of interesting to see how they fare against each other after the results of the first fight. Um, I mean, obviously like, you know, like Volk does does have to be careful of his wrestling kind of thing, but Islam, I think, was a lot more confident going into the first fight than he will be going into this one because he knows what Volkanovski is capable of, and for some reason, Volkanovski just keeps getting better, which is fucking terrifying. So who knows, man? Stranger things have happened. Uh, that's next weekend, and that's going to be a fucking absolute banger of a card. It was already a good card, but it's gone from fucking like good to just absolutely amazing. So, with that, we'll move on to the second news story. Uh, Paulo Costa underwent elbow surgery or so, shoulder surgery, I believe it was, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and said that he was still going to fight, but the UFC ruled him out. And it was kind of, you know, here and there for a couple of days as to who was going to replace him. And then all of a sudden, we get the announcement, I believe it was like earlier today, or like it's early today in Australia, but wherever you are in the world, it was earlier. Uh, Kamaru Usman stepping up to middleweight for the first time to fight Hamza Chimayev. Um, This is fucking interesting, man, because, like, yeah, Chimayev's strong, and, like, wrestling is obviously his strong suit, but that's, you know, where Usman, like, made his bread and butter in the UFC. He sort of moved to this weird striking style after he, you know, had a bit of success against Colby and then KO'd Masvidal and sort of stuck to it for some reason. Um, trying to beat people at their own game, which is, you know, stupid. Just stick to what got you the title to begin with. Um, I'm going to apologize for any echo here. I'm recording this in the living room because it's fucking ridiculously hot here today. Um, but we had to record. News was breaking. Um, so, yeah, like, this is interesting. It, I, I don't know what kind of prediction to make with this fight. Once again, it seems like he's also a late replacement. But, you know... Fighting at a weight that's 15 pounds heavier than what the weight he usually fights at is going to be a lot easier to cut to, even though he's quite a bulky guy, so he probably puts on a fair bit between fights. 
maybe over 200, something like that. So the cut's going to do something to him, for sure. Um, I can't remember the last time I saw Kamzat fight at middleweight either. So, like, seeing him bigger is also scary because of, like, the things that we've seen him do to people. Oh, no, he fought Holland at middleweight, but Holland isn't really a good example. He doesn't have the greatest wrestling. Um, so, yeah, interesting matchup. It's going to be very, very fucking good card next weekend. Um, moving on to the third bit of news, and I'm going to actually bring up... Oh, fucking, why, why did you move on me? Here we go. This is, like, breaking pretty, you know, last couple of hours, or uh, I believe one of my mates told me about this at work. Shout out for me. Um... The U.S. Anti-Doping Agency announced Wednesday that UFC fighter Conor McGregor has officially returned to the testing pool. The next step ahead of a potential return fight, but CEO Travis Tygart's statement in an, un- in an accompanying news release came with a caveat. USADA's partnership with the UFC will be over beginning January 1st, 2024. Tygart wrote that the UFC and USADA had a positive and productive meeting about a contract renewal in May, but the UFC did an about-face and told USADA on Monday that the promotion would be going in a different direction, Tygart wrote. The UFC hired USADA to run its anti-doping program in 2015. According to the USADA release, the relationship between the two parties was rendered untenable due to the situation with McGregor, the UFC's top star. Fighters' long-term health and safety, in addition to a fair and level playing field, are more important to USADA than short-term profits at the expense of clean athletes, Tygart wrote in the statement. Uh, McGregor removed himself from the USADA drug testing pool after suffering a fractured leg in a fight against Dustin Poirier in July 2021, according to UFC's anti-doping policy maintained by USADA. A fighter who re-enters the drug testing pool must spend at least six months in it and pass two drug tests before competing again. There was a written exception to that rule. The UFC could waive the six-month rule for a fighter if it were deemed unfair to said fighter, but that fighter would still have to pass two drug tests. Um, so it, this article goes on for a whole lot longer here, but fucking very interesting proceedings. So it remains to be seen whether the UFC are going to move forward with a drug testing agency at all. You would assume that they have to, um, but who is going to be the big question really obviously someone that's going to be like lenient towards letting mcgregor fly next year because once again shout out for me he suggested that dana definitely wants regardless of who he fights he wants conor mcgregor on that ufc 300 card and it looks like that will be early next year considering that ufc 296 was announced the other day and i believe that's either like very late november or early december um i'm not looking at dates or anything at the moment so i'm not sure but that's what I'm assuming his plan is. I mean, because, you know, like you've got John Jones fighting in the next couple of months. He's obviously not going to do the turnaround. He might if you throw the right amount of money at him if you have to. But, you know, we know what Dana wants. Dana knows what the fans want. And it's like one of those people, man. He's the Mayweather of UFC. If you love him, you love him. If you hate him, you love to hate him kind of thing. Like, you'll go out of your way to fucking talk shit about him because he's just that much of a spectacle when he's in the spotlight. Um, seems to be sort of dipping in and out of it these days. Um, but yeah, fucking absolutely huge couple, like 48 hours for the UFC. Like, you know, two massive fights. Like, ob- I don't know, like, it, it would have been good to see Oliveira against Markachev again, but so crazy to see that Volk gets another shot. Um, 
Imagine if he gets it done. It'd be fucking crazy. It'd be so fucking crazy if he gets it done. Because that just opens up so many possibilities. Obviously, there'd be a, maybe there'd be a rematch at some point in time, but who knows? It just really opens things up if that happens. And then, like once again, like Usman going up the middleweight, very interesting move against a fucking monster in Chimaev, like you know, a monster in wrestling as well, and like got decent fucking striking. So, really remains to be seen how that one's going to pan out. But I'll be fucking watching and. Anybody else who's a fan should be as well. And then, yeah, this whole fucking new side of things. Absolutely insane. I couldn't believe it. Um, Only a tiny bit of boxing news this week because, you know, not a lot of announcements or anything like that. Anything that's really noteworthy. But one thing did catch my attention, this whole... Uh... So, like I said last week, it's great that the undisputed heavyweight fight has finally been signed by Fury and Usyk. Obviously, more by Fury, because Usyk was ready to go. The whole, uh, <laughs> greasy belly. Oh, my God. I'm talking about that today. It's like, like it must be like a, a deep insult in his country kind of thing. Fuck, it sounds funny. Except your split. Saying the contrary. Anyway, uh, the IBF have stepped in. And said that they're going to be stripping the winner of the fight a day after. So we're only going to have an undisputed heavyweight champion for about 24 hours. Obviously, whoever wins that fight is going to have the accolade and probably have to do a rematch for not an undisputed um, status. Because it seems like, yeah, the IBF are doing their thing, which is they tend to be the strictest of the boxing organizations. Stepping in and making the title vacant for a little while and giving a shot to Philip Philippe Hergovic, who I can't remember if he's fought since he beat Zhang, but uh, that was fucking ages ago. I can't even remember. I think, I believe that was on the first Usyk Joshua fight, so quite a while ago. Um, yeah, so he's going to finally get his shot at the strap, and the way that it's looking, it might actually be against Anthony Joshua. So, you know, if things come full circle and Fury and Usyk have their rematch, hopefully we could see Joshua face the winner next year. And, like, I don't know, like, I think Usyk is going to be able to get the job done due to his superior skill. But it would be interesting to see if, you know, Fury retains those unified titles and then has to finally fight Anthony Joshua at the end of next year. Because that would, you know, like I was speaking about last week, finally cement his legacy. And he doesn't have to constantly repeat these things that he spouts to us every time he gets on a fucking camera because people will say it about him. Not that there's people that don't already, but I think he lost a whole lot of fans with this whole fucking running away from U6 saga and trying to blame his team on it and just coming up with a million different excuses. He started to sound like Deontay Wilder a little bit. I don't know. He spent enough time with somebody. He become pretty similar. Um, so that's the end of the news for the week. I'm just going to quickly touch on two things. A fight from last weekend and a fight that's coming up this weekend. Uh, we had Josh Warrington going against Lee Wood for his WBA featherweight title. Lee is the WBA title weight, uh, featherweight title holder, rather. 
Um, interesting fight. Warrington was commanding the fight all the way through seven rounds and then just got sloppy. Got caught with a good couple of clean shots from Lee Wood, who's, you know, been shown to hit quite hard. Um, was flat on his back, got up, and then turned his back to the referee and had his back to the referee the entire time while he was counting on him. So the referee made his decision to be like, all right, this guy's obviously not ready to fight. I'm just going to call the fight off. So there's been a little bit of controversy afterwards with, you know, people on that side of things saying, nah, it was early. It was an early stoppage. It was bullshit. And then people on Lee Wood's side saying, no, like you thought you were saved by the bell, but you weren't. So you needed to turn around and like your trainers needed to tell you to turn around. So like I kind of go 50-50 on it. Like obviously he was kind of alert, but like, from the referee's point of view, if you are counting at somebody and they had their hands on the apron and they haven't turned around to face you, that means that person doesn't want to fight in, you know, just like the general rule of what they're taught. It's like, all right, this guy is not showing me any body language that shows he wants to fight. He's not turned around. He's not, you know, got his gloves up, like ready to go or anything, like staring me right in the eyes. So just kind of poor choice by Warrington there. But like I said, he was de- commanding the entire fight. so. You know, you get caught with a flash knockdown and a bit of a controversial stoppage. It doesn't do too much to your status. He can still, you know, be right up there with those top featherweight contenders because I believe I was reading earlier in the week that whoever wins this fight, more likely Lee Wood is going to go up to 130 and challenge Joe Cordina for his IBF title, which would be a good fight because they can both crack. Um, so yeah, not much else to say on that. Like, congratulations to Wood for retaining his title. And then, yeah, we'll see how they go from there. Now, let's move on to the last order of business, which is Timmy Zoot coming back once again as the dub, the newly crowned WBO champion by like, you know, no design of his own. Um, Jamal Charlo was stripped of the title as soon as the bell rang in the Charlo, in the Charlo Canelo fight last weekend. Uh, so being the interim title holder, Tim has been elevated to like full world champion status, which is, you know, granted he won like an interim belt against some people kind of thing, but it's not how he wanted to get his first world title qualification, I assume. But you can't control how these boxing organizations work. It's all fucking very squirrely, very backdoor shit. So he's just got to take it as it comes. Tim is the new WBO champion, so he'll be fighting a former Charlo opponent in Brian Mendoza. Uh, Mendoza coming off a fucking good win against the fucking the towering inferno, Sebastian Fundora, that absolute fucking genetic freak who can, I think he's like 6'4 or something like that and manages to be 154 pounds. Absolutely crazy. Strangest body shape. He looks like a baby giraffe. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, Mendoza scored a pretty, like, pretty big knockout against, like, Fundora. He wasn't completely out. He sort of sat up and was looking at the ref the entire time, but you could tell by the look on his face and in his eyes and body language and that. He's like, I don't want any more of what this dude has to give me. Please, no more, sir. Uh, so, Mendoza can hit hard. Um... Charlo was knocked down for the first time in his 
career, I believe. Hang on. I may have to do some quick research there. Because people may quote me on that. Hang on. Charlo versus Mendoza. Uh, yeah, where's the fucking... Where's the box rack? God damn it. Just... Hang on. Mendoza. <laughs> box rack. Yes, here we go. So this should tell me what it is. Um, wait, am I thinking of the right guy? He did fight Charlo, didn't he? Who the fuck am I thinking of? I'm very confused now, because I was completely under the impression that that was that guy. Oh, wait. No, it's not. Now I know who it is, and he's on the, like, tip of my tongue. That's not Rosario. Is it Rosario? No. Ah, I can't remember what that dude's name is. All right, so I was completely thinking of the wrong guy. Disregard that first part. So, he does have a loss on his record against Larry Gomez. Sounds like the... Like, that sounds like a fucking fake name. 100%. <laughs> Larry Gomez. Hey, you, what's your name? Uh, Larry. Your last name? Gomez. Just picked some random white name, but couldn't actually think of another one for his last. So two losses to Larry Gomez and Jesus Alejandro Ramos Jr., which actually sounds like a real Mexican name. Um, which hmm, seems he has a bit of a problem against, you know, judging that those are two Mexican names. Mexican people tend to fight the same way, which is with a come-forward style. He seems to have problems against people that have that in their repertoire, which is what Tim likes to do lately, especially after his last outing against uh, Ocampo, Carlos Ocampo, where he flatlined him in like less than two minutes. That was just absolutely fucking crazy. And then obviously the performance before that, where he just he walked Tony Harrison down for nine rounds and then just uppercutted his head into the rafters. So we know what Tim's capable of, but he's got to be a little bit careful in this fight. Mendoza can definitely crack. Um, and watching the highlights of that Fundora fight, it's like obviously Fundora is a completely different fucking body shape and size to Tim Zhu. So you can't say that he's going to fight the same way, but that crazy short hook that he stunned him with initially was so fast and clean. It's uh, something that Tim's got to watch out for because he, as the fight wears on, he sort of does like to move more into his opponent's range and throw those like hard body shots and set stuff up the top as opposed to like working off his jab, I've noticed. So definitely something he's going to have to be conscious of, but we'll see how he comes out. Um, I'm predicting probably a late... Uh, ish knockout maybe like eight nine something around like the harrison kind of thing but i haven't really watched much of mendoza other than those um like any highlights package that's been seen so like you know you kind of need to watch full flights of somebody to give an entire scope of what they're gonna be like but i know he can crack so tim's got to be careful of that for sure um sorry about that whole two minutes that i spent talking about somebody else who the fuck am i thinking of 
swear to God, his name's Brian as well. Maybe that's what's fucking confusing me. Somebody who knows is just like screaming at the fucking like their phone or their YouTube screen or whatever. And like speaking of those things, you can find me. Uh, Squared Circle at Squared Circle CSP on YouTube and Squared Circle Combat Sports Podcast on any of your audio platforms, Apple, Spotify, etc. Uh, I also do another podcast with one of my mates who's talking about general shit at Return of the Whack. That's another channel on YouTube, also on Instagram, and soon to be Facebook because for some reason we get traffic through there. Anyway, like, subscribe, share. Thank you for listening. Speedies next week. Goodbye.